This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. Welcome to this edition of the Escape Hour. I'm Tad, and in studio with me is Stefan. How are good you? Good afternoon. I'm very well, thank you. Good. Have you had a good week? Mm, yeah, I think so, yeah. You've been in Sydney. I have been in Sydney. It's lovely. Um, a little it? bit of... Um, I wouldn't live there, but you know. It's so nice to visit. too loud? <laughs> <laughs> We're not supposed to have favourites, are we? Oh, oh okay. No. no I, yes, I might think about living there then. Yeah, I was in Brisbane the week before. And yeah. I'd live in Brisbane in the winter, for sure. It's yeah. amazing. No, it's, it's really it's, good weather. It's good. I mean, Sydney is good. It's just, yeah. uh, I, I really love being in Melbourne, so yeah. for me, it's, here is home. Yeah, exactly. I, mm. I know what that's like, you know, it's all good. But um, we've had a, a sort of a, a, a week for ourselves. This is our last show for a little mm. while. Yes, um, we're the, taking a little bit of a break. Yeah, the Escape Hour has been online continuously for, you know, a few years now. And um, so we're going to be taking the next grid off, which is only three months, and then do some revamping and updating and mm. bring an even better escape hour. Um, we'll, we'll carry on with a few podcasts. Oh, yeah, there'll be some off, podcasts so. going through. Yeah, mm. we, we won't leave you, uh, our listeners, hanging. Um, no. There'll be definitely some interesting podcasts to... Um, to talk, uh, you know, that we'll be presenting. And and I think we've got a few lined up already. And we do, yeah. We've got a exciting topic. Authors and things like that. Yeah, books mm. being, um, you know, released and yeah, quite a few things which would be good. Mm. But um, yes, one of the other things is the Rough Guide has um, basically released their 2020 sort of bucket list of places to go in the world. Their top 100 best places on earth and two places in Australia made the list, oh, which is pretty... what are they? Uh, well, of course, the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, yes. And then Uluru. Mm. But interestingly, as we all know, if we've been reading the newspapers, Uluru is going to be um, closed from to the, the point of view for climbing. Yeah. Um, you'll still be able to go to the, the, the park and walk the... And the, the base walk. circumference of base walk, which yeah. is pretty amazing. But, um, but it's interesting some of the, the feedback that has come out of that decision to close it, um, really some insensitive stuff I, I find, you know, people saying that, you know, climbing the Rue is a birthright and <laughs> these sorts of things. And I just think, you know, first of all, you got to show a little respect um, to the indigenous community. It is a sacred place. So, uh, you know, anybody who has ever climbed it is a, it's a gift to be able to do that. Um, but the problem is, is that it's not that people aren't wanting to share it. It's, it's the problem that people are destroying it. This when they go up there, they're leaving trash. And, and just from uh, the, the amounts of people climbing it all the time, it's starting to degrade the rock. That, and also, I think in, in indigenous culture, there's, it's, um, it's a sacred it's place. Sacred. That's it's a right. sacred place, and it's, yeah. it's disrespectful to yeah. that culture. And, and a lot of them, um, there's quite a, a few injuries a year. And, oh. um, there have been deaths as well. I mean, it's quite yeah. a, a treacherous place, you know, b- beyond the chains that mm. you can see. Yeah, no. Beyond that, it's quite a, um, it's quite a dangerous mm. climb, and especially if there's any sort of moisture or if it starts raining, it's, it's like a slip and slide. It's mm. not a good look. Yeah, no, I mean, th- as we were talking about the base walk, and that's quite spectacular oh. after, after sunrise. It's exactly. You, know, it's, uh, y- you uh, see the, the ancient, you know, the, the, the wall paintings and mm. things that are still there, and, and the, yeah, it's, a great, it's a great thing to do, um, to do yeah. that as well. And, um, you know, I just think people need to um, get over it. Well, yeah. it is closing from October, so that's the yeah. that's that's really there's no choice. That's right. So it's, it's happening. But and um, I don't think we can say it's a birthright. I don't know. It's just that no. makes me. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's just I, I just think 
I don't know. You get the keyboard warriors out there, and they put their opinions, and you know, I doubt that they would probably say that to anybody's face. But um, unfortunately, that's the that's the world we live in at the mm. moment. But um, it's not going to change things. So, but um, but other than that, it's sort of been a slow news week yep, from very point slow. Of view, which is a good thing. We mm. don't want a, a lot of news. But um, yeah. So in the studio with us today, well, first we're we're talking all things beer, all things and the beer, science behind yes. it. Um, are you a beer drinker? Uh, I don't mind, yes. Yeah. A few. I yeah, do. I, yeah. I really enjoy a cold beer on a really hot day. Mm. That's yeah, that's probably thing. when I... Uh, or if I go out sometimes, I yeah. will choose beer over yeah. spirits. Yeah. So That's good. Yeah. Well, in the studio with us today, um, we've got John Selton, from, uh, who's also the head, uh, head brewer at... Brick Lane Brewing. That's out in Daniel, right, John? Hey, guys. Yeah, we're hey, out welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. It's great oh, to be it's here. It's good to be here. Yeah, look, look, looking forward to learning all sorts of things about beer. And, oh, and be careful what you wish for. Once yeah. you get me started, oh. I've already warned you guys beforehand, <laughs> I can become a crashing bore on good. all things beer and science. We like will, will there be some trivia material? Uh, look, I'll, I'll save a quiz for the end, maybe. Oh, I'll, I'll see okay. how closely you guys will listen. Right. <laughs> well, one of the main reasons I wanted you to come in today is also to talk about um, the National Science Week program that's happening at the moment mm. Um, mm. that's going to be in Parliament House, mm. right? Tell yeah, us a little about no, that and your involvement. Yeah, well, I, I've been asked to do a couple of workshop sessions as yep. part of this fantastic event that the National Science Week guys are putting yep. on in Parliament. So um, I think it's a pretty iconic kind of uh, statement, this, you know, yeah. locating, um, you know, science and science communication in Parliament, you know, right in the heart of kind of public life in mm. Melbourne. And what a right. beautiful sort of iconic building yeah. to hold the thing in. You wouldn't expect that. There's a couple of challenges about it actually yeah. as well. We did the induction um, just this week about what we can and can't bring into the building for our various installations right. or workshops. And um, What sort of things could you not bring in? Anything that you can't take on an aeroplane, basically. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it makes the sense. yeah, the security really? is very well, intense. That's interesting. Down to, you know, obviously no blades, no yeah. flammable liquids, all this sort of stuff. Bombs, they're completely out. No. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no but, one likes um, that. <laughs> but um, but even, um, even things like gaff tape, you know, you can't really? bring in. Yeah, right. so it presents challenges for all the presenters. There's some really amazing kind of high-tech installations that are going yeah. on. Um, um, pop-up labs, pop-up sound labs. Yeah big projection things, performance mm. artists, and these guys are used to rolling in big gear cases right. full of stuff. And That's great. Yeah, it needs to be all pre-screened by security, but I think it's going to pay dividends because it'll be a, a phenomenal location mm. for it. Yeah. Is it just the week? For a week? It's actually, it's just for the day. So oh, it's, it's just a, the day. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, just on Saturday in. the 10th. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, they had a really great turnout last week. Yeah. Um, the, the theme, sorry, last yes, year. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like uh, just yesterday. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, <laughs> so last year, the the theme was um, humans 2.0 and the the it, the the kind of all the talks and all the performances and installations yeah. were about this intersection of um, humans and technology mm. you know where the human ends how humans are extended by their relationships yeah. with technology and this year um, it's all about um, the theme of extrasensory right so yeah. why bear what the, why does bear feature there then yeah. what's the, the what's the connection well for me I think it's I think uh, that's the question I asked when they first asked me to do it. But then it got me thinking about it and I think it kind of got to the heart of why I love beer and why I'm interested in beer and why I kind of chose to make it my profession because it really sits at kind of the intersection of of science and technology. You know, this has mm -hmm. always been a yeah. passion of mine ever since I was a little kid. Um, but then also um, kind of 
um, sensory experience, you know what I mean? In the end, we're, um, as brewers, you know, using kind of um, bleeding-edge scientific mm. innovation yeah. and process technology, but we're making something that's for the senses, right? Something yeah. that's all about um, flavour, mm. it's all about um, uh, um, occasion, it's all yeah. about taste and aroma, and, um, and, it's, and it kind of stimulates both sides of your brain as a brewer, you know, both that, that um, um, scientific approach, but then that hedonistic kind yeah. of um, sensorial thing that goes on as well. So yeah. I, I think I think beer's a good rubric to explore extrasensory through. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to be contending. That's <laughs> great. But it's, it's, it's interesting because beer hasn't always been about the, the taste necessarily or that extrasensory side of it. I mean, mm. you know, before the sort of the craft beer um, phase, mm. you know, has really mm. taken over, you see a lot of that now. Um, so it's more of, of, of like a beer appreciation as opposed to just being beer, I mean, yeah, there's so much more uh, to it. Absolutely, and like just in the in the ten years I've sort of been around beer and brewing yeah. professionally, like I've seen a huge shift in public understanding of what beer means. You know, yeah. it, it was not long ago. You know, when when we were probably young and growing up, um, understood as basically a sort of an undifferentiated commodity, yeah. right? A yellow fizzy liquid that people yeah. drank for yeah. a purpose. It's just you beer. know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and um, that's not always the case. That yeah. was the product of a specific kind of cultural moment, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, um, it, it was concentration and consolidation in the brewing industry, yeah. the rise of mega brands, but that's a, that wasn't always the case, yeah. you know. Through the history of beer and brewing, there's been a, you know, a huge range of different styles of different flavours. I mean, obviously, I've got a vested interest because yeah. I'm a brewer, <laughs> but I'd say that beer is this amazingly versatile product, you know, super simple ingredients, but such a diversity of flavours and textures yeah. and, and occasions for drinking it as well. Do you find, like, because Melbourne is such a, a foodie kind of destination uh, yeah. for Australia, yeah. do you find from the, the craft beer point that that's also huge because of that as well or is it is it Absolutely. bigger in melbourne than in other capital cities yeah, I, yeah. I mean um uh, melbourne has always been a leader in australia yeah. when it comes to craft beer and and over the last few years we've seen other cities catch up you know brisbane for example which was always considered yes. a bit of a, a craft beer wasteland you know over the past couple of years has emerged as this as this mm, amazing yeah. trailblazer as well yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not uh, melbourne um i'm not uh, originally from here yeah. but i've fallen in love with the city mainly yeah. because of its obsession, I think, with food and with good things and with quality. provenance and with yeah. quality. And, and I think my industry and I think beer is a direct beneficiary of that. Yeah. You know, people, people enjoy thinking about what goes on, you know, in the making of their products. Um, they enjoy thinking about flavour, about provenance. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, it, it, it's kind of a, a, an easier proposition, craft beer in Melbourne, because people already care. You don't have to sell it so much, do you? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so how does one become a head brewer and what... What does a head brewer do? Uh, well, <laughs> um, I think I think I, I look back and I think I think I was probably programmed into it since I was a little kid. I mean, my I, I, some of my early memories um, are around food and beer, and um, were of my you know my my grandfather you know making beer at home, and I think the smells of that, the the, the craftsmanship yeah. in there is probably what um, programmed me you know at a very young age into into falling in love with aroma and flavour and, and cooking and, um, and, and things like that. And, and um, I found my, myself into uh, in, falling into the industry, you know, about 10 years ago, right at the, the, the ground floor. So as a, as a sort of a, a, an assistant brewer in a small... Um, a small sort of yeah. regional brew pub in the northeast of Victoria yeah. in Bright. So okay. really yeah. idyllic place to kind of yeah. learn the trade, you know. And and I got that experience of being really located in a community as well. Um, the, the, the brewery there was right at the heart of sort of community life. Yeah. Um, I had 
wonderful mentoring there. Yep. So even though it was a very small town, there happened to be one of Australia's only master brewers who lived in town, so who, okay. who sort of taught me the trade and mentored me yep. for those early years. Um, but nowadays, as a head brewer, um, I'm, I'm not making beer as often. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not actually touching the process right. as often, yep. but more, um, more behind a computer and looking at spreadsheets, mm-hmm. unfortunately. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. In the studio, we've got um, uh, John Salton, who's the head brewer at Brick Lane Brewing. We're talking all things beer, as well as National Science Week, which mm. is on August 10th. Well, the, the week is is the week for next happening, week. which is next week. But in, in, in particular is the... Um, the uh, Extrasensory. Extrasensory mm. event at Parliament House, um, which is a one-day-only thing. And... Um, yeah, we're talking all about that. So I wanted to get back into, um, we were talking about the, the brewing and that sort of thing, but wanted to get into a little more of the science side of it, yeah. um, which is obviously a passion of, of yours oh, as well absolutely. as the beer. Yeah, as um, I said, you know, I think it's that, it's it's one of these interesting industries where, you know, like, like a lot of different culinary industries, I guess, you know, where yeah. the, um, you know, we're taking... Uh, um, new innovations at the very bleeding edge of kind of science and technology and engineering and applying them into making, you know, the most flavorful, delicious products we can. You know, these are some of the things we'll be exploring at Extrasensory. So um, I'm I'm doing a a workshop themed um, presentation. We're running them sort of throughout the night. I'm in, I'm, uh, I'm doing it interspersed with someone from a champagne producer who's doing uh-huh. um, some talk on um, bubbles in champagne, which should be fun. And cool. I've got a suspicion that our workshops will be the most popular because we've got drinks involved, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can count on that. <laughs> yeah, I hope so at least. Yeah, but look, I think, I think this, is one of the, this is one of the really big appeals for me, you know, the, the fact that um, the beer and science have always been hand in hand, you yeah. know, from, from really early on. I, I, some of the, you know, the big innovations, I guess, in the foundations of science and technology came about, you know, in tandem with the brewing industry. I think yeah. about people like Louis Pasteur, you know, sure, whose yeah. who's work on, um, you know, microbiological yeah. work was, you know, generally around wine and beer. And, yeah. you know, he's still held up as a kind of a hero in brewing circles yeah. for yeah. for discovering the role of yeast in fermentation. Or people like James Jewell, uh, who the Jewell is named yeah. after, you know, yeah. who discovered the relationship of work and energy. Yeah. Um, this guy was actually a brewer. He was trying to, in his experimentation, find um, the most efficient way for pumping fluids around, like right. we do in breweries, pumping yeah. around beer and wort yeah. and water, and um, and it led to, you know, this. Um, what's now a, a cornerstone, I guess, of science and engineering, this relationship between work and energy and yeah. and the joule or the mm. kilojoule, you know, the unit of That's energy we talk about. You know. In the brewing process, what what would be the most hazardous point in that? Or, or is there a hazardous uh, look, process? Not, not, not particularly. You know, yeah. in, in beer, um, there are physical hazards. You know, there's temperature and right. heat and liquid and carbon dioxide and some risks that we think about, you know, from a safety point of yep. view. But but it's not a nasty product beer. You know, it's right. not made with chemicals. It's right. not made with additives. It's just made from raw materials. And this is one of the really nice things about being a brewer. Yep. It's a really simple set of raw materials that we use in beer making. Malted barley, yep. water, yeast and hops and these are all things that are agricultural products or natural things and even though there's only four of them the ways we use them in the process the ways we manipulate the process can create you know this huge spectrum of flavors and colors and sensations in the beer it's fascinating too because of the fact that you know just speaking about water Mm. i mean if you're using water in melbourne to use your exact same recipe in in a particular beer oh absolutely and you took water from new york for example and you 
Get a very uh, varied flavour, isn't uh, it? Uh, absolutely. And and this is this is really interesting because this is how beer styles sort of grew up originally yeah. and were became associated with different cities around the world. Pilsen, you yeah. know, it doesn't have water too dissimilar to Melbourne. You know, yeah. really, really beautifully soft water, very few dissolved minerals, and it suits itself to producing really beautiful light-bodied yeah. lagers like Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Dublin, on the other hand, very high in bicarbonate, yeah. very difficult to make pale beers. So um, that's why yeah. darker beer styles like Guinness grew up in that city. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't yeah. it? It's when I'm, I grew up in France, and in the uh-huh. north of France, some uh-huh. part of it, and we we had a lot of um, beer from Belgium with fruit as mm-hmm. well, so all this creek and... Uh, and that's what's really... I mean, what's your take on fruity beer? Like oh, I think it's... It? Yeah, it's it's just... It goes to show, right, you know, just what a, you know, diverse sort of spectrum of mm. products you can have in beer, you know. Um, um, there are beers that, that you know, are pale straw-coloured and taste um, refreshing and crisp and... and um, and, uh, you know, light-bodied. And then you can have beers that are completely black, that taste like smoke, or that, mm. like you say, like crick, that taste like cherries. Mm. Um, what I find interesting is is the way that brewers nowadays use kind of, um, you know, innovation, you know, in science and technology to, to with purpose, kind of uh, um, draw out certain flavours in the beer. So mm. there's been some really pretty amazing innovations just in the past couple of years in this regard. That's fascinating. So what kind of innovation are we talking about? Well, one of the things I'll be talking about in Extrasensory next Saturday at Parliament will be um, the use of um, gene editing, actually, in yeast. Mm. So um, I think the world's hopefully moved on from the idea that, you know, gene editing is always a bad thing. And it's interesting you mentioned water because um, brewers around the world and scientists have been thinking about ways of reducing water use. Mm. You know, traditionally it's taken a lot of water to Mm. make beer, you know, maybe up to 10 litres of water to make one litre of beer. Yeah. Recently that's been brought right down. But if you look further up our supply chain, Hops, for example, yep. take a lot of water to grow and to mm. propagate. And and what a couple of really interesting scientists got together and did last year um, was look at ways that we could produce hoppy flavours by introducing the genes into yeast that code for right. those hoppy-flavoured compounds in the finished beer. They just match it up, basically. Quite amazing, yeah. yeah. So they actually took these genes um, to, to code for two two hop terpenes, yeah. one called mm. linalool that tastes sort of lemony and zesty in the yeah. beer, and one called geraniol, which sort of tastes and smells floral, two yeah. kind of key hop components. And they took them out of, not hops, interestingly, but out of um, um, basil and out of oh, mint. Right. And they okay. inserted those genes into yeast's genome and voila, you know, beer that tasted hoppy without the use wow. of any hops. And the implications for this are, are massive, you know. Mm, it could mean yeah. all that saved water, yep. all that saved energy in, in hop in hop production um, and better control for us yep. brewers. You know. So is that happening um, in the near oh, future or well, is how far off is it? Maybe, you know, yeah. we're, we're a conservative bunch, us brewers, so yep. we, generally, um, we generally resist change. So no one's yep. done it commercially yet. Joy 94.9 is on air 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But sometimes you can't always be with us when you want to. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Listen to your favourite Joy 94.9 show anytime with our Joy podcast service. 
Our team of over 30 volunteers pick out the best bits from around 60 programs that Joy airs each week, made available to you for free download. To find a podcast of your favorite Joy show, search for us in the Featured Providers section within the iTunes store or find them on the Joy website, joy.org.au. Joy Podcasts. Any show, any show, anytime, joy.org.au. Hey, we failed to mention one small... Oh, one big achievement. Well, it is for us, you know, so we're just going to give ourselves a little bit of a pat of... <laughs> Pat ourselves on the back a moment, but um, our podcast, uh, The Escape Hour, has been listed as one of the best in 2019. Yeah, it's, yeah, so. it's top podcast for yeah. food and wine. Yeah. Food so. and travel, not just food and wine. No, for food, food and, and travel. travel. Yeah, so that's quite exciting mm. and um, well done, team. Yes, well done, yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the studio with John Settlin from Head Brewer at Brick Lane Brewing, and we're, we're talking about science and brewing and yep. gen, gene editing, which is really interesting the, to think that you can do some gene editing and, and get better f- or different flavors in your beer without having the ingredient yeah. and being sustainable because using less water as well which yes, is a which is good thing yeah and so that'll be happening sooner rather than later it's not actually happening at the moment it's no still, that's right yeah. we tend to be a very conservative lot us brewers yeah. you know when a change like this comes comes along you know we worry obviously about yeah. what consumer yeah. sentiment is around gene yeah. editing yeah because i mean it, it's sometimes like genetically modified organism and the, the big push against that so absolutely everybody yeah. thinks you know you, you say the word gene editing like three-headed cows and you know that kind of stuff <laughs> exactly it's just, and you know. yeah i went to a talk uh, as part of a great program called yeah. pint of science a couple okay. of weeks ago which uh, again marries my two favorite things drinking and <laughs> listening to scientists yeah. um and there was there was a gentleman there talking about um uh genetic modification of um to to de-extinct um yeah. extinct species and he was a passionate advocate of um you know kind of eliminating the stigma around gene editing um and um or genetic modification you know and yeah. and i think there are some real legitimate community concerns out mm. there you know uh, sure. uh in soy and canola crops yeah. for example in the yeah. states but um, in a brewery, this is a this is a kind of a contained environment where we can potentially, you know, really mitigate the risk yeah. by having these things inside sealed stainless steel vats. They're not out there yeah. in the um, in the big bad Open, world. Yeah, yeah exactly. But also from a sustainability point of view, mm. um, you know, if you can control those risks Contro- and, and yeah, exactly. minimize them to nothing, um, it's going to make some oh, huge huge upsides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, drought tolerant crops, for yeah. example, the ability for us to you know get all these flavorful compounds in beer without having to dedicate, you know, vast swathes of land to, yeah. say, hop propagation, you know. That's, it's just one example, though. You know, even even using traditional brewing techniques, you know, recent innovations in sort of science yeah. and technology have, have helped us, you know, drastically reduce all those utilities that we use in brewing, you know, yeah. be it, um, you know, be it water, be it primary yeah. energy, you know, natural gas, which we use for, for mm. boiling wort yeah. in, um, in part of our process. Um, there have been lots and lots of incremental improvements over the past few years that have that have meant that, you know, in the past it may have taken us, um, as I said, maybe 10 litres of water to yeah. make one litre of beer, to now breweries regularly doing it with less than three or four litres of water to make right, one litre okay. of beer. So, um, um, I, I just see these trends continuing. Beer becoming, um, you know, just as flavourful. Yeah, that's but, great. You know, not killing the pro the planet in yeah, the process of yeah, making definitely. it. Yeah. And as beer consumption increased lately, the, the last, last few years, it's uh, because it's we, there's a lot of independent talk about it, independent brewers and IPAs and all those things. Yeah. So I think is it, beer what? consumption total liters has gone down, and this is a this okay. is a long term trend. You know, in Australia, there's been you know a steady decline mm. in beer consumption, yeah. but what I'd contend is 
the quality of beer consumption has increased massively because yep. we've seen this huge increase in market share and this giant growth amongst craft brewers. So mm. they used to represent, you know, far less than 1% of the market and they're, you know, now growing at a, at a huge rate. Yep. So consumption of high quality beer in smaller amounts, which to me sounds like the right thing, yeah, um, is happening, you know, around the world, but particularly in Australia. So yep. yeah, overall alcohol consumption and particularly in beer consumption, slowly trending down yep. when people are moving increasingly to quality, I guess, yeah. over quantity. And I think that's, um, I think that's the, the best for everyone. Yeah, it's more yeah. about the enjoyment of mm. it as opposed yeah, to the, you know, to the effects. Yeah, or something. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other things you, you spend a fair bit of time doing is traveling and, and judging. Yeah, this beers. is. Yeah, Recently, I, you've been to Japan and Brazil. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I keep on pinching myself when I think I've got a career that allows me to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, that allows me to travel around the world to either, um, you know, either judge beers yeah. or attend conferences or technical symposia or whatever. That's great. But beer judging in other countries is one of the great junkets of my <laughs> career. One of the great pleasures right. as well. You know, um, obviously you get exposed to huge numbers of different beer mm -hmm. styles, yeah. but as an international judge in these competitions, you tend to be really well looked after yeah. as well and shown the best that cities have in terms of food, in terms yeah. of nightlife and in terms of sort of their, their, their larger sort of cultural feel outside of beer. Yeah. So instantly you get a great adopted family of all the brewers and other yeah. international judges when you land in a city and you may only be there for three or four days, but you get to see and experience a huge amount. That's great. Yeah. And recently in Japan, you're in Yokohama, right? Yeah, correct. Correct. So, um, uh, Japan, um, obviously a huge brewing industry, a big craft segment, yeah. um, a very important sort of um, uh, uh, partner with Australia. We import a lot mm -hmm. of Japanese beer. We send a lot of barley, Australian barley and Australian okay. malt to Japan for making, making beer as well. And um, Yokohama has had for the last several years a, a big competi competition that was previously called the Asian Beer Cup now the International Beer Cup. And, um, yeah, I've judged in that for the last few years. And um, I don't know if I uh, enjoy the judging um, as much as I enjoy the yeah. amazing food around it as yeah. well. <laughs> so what does the judging involve? How does it... Well, tell us, how do you judge? Ah, sure, how many sure. beers do you taste? Yeah. What, what happens? So these competitions tend to be quite large. They tend yeah. to be international competitions with maybe up to 3,000, 3,500 entries from maybe 20 or 30 countries. Wow. So... Um, so do you drink? Do you taste 3,500 entries? No, there's a lot of judges <laughs> to get through that many. So we, we may do somewhere around um, 60 to 70 individual samples a day. Still? Yeah, yeah. There might be up to 90 judges just to get right. through the sheer quantity. And those judges come from a range of backgrounds, brewers, yeah. um, uh, uh, sensory scientists, people who are around beer in various in various um, capacities. Mm. Um, but almost everyone has some sort of formal sensory training, some sort of sensory science yeah. background. And, um, and basically we assess the beers against certain style yep. guidelines. Obviously, it's very hard to say what is the best beer because as I was talking about before, there's such a cornucopia of different mm. beer styles that look and taste and feel different. Um, so we, we assess um, each individual sample against yeah, a fairly prescriptive set of style yep. guidelines. So um, um, there might be literally hundreds of various sub-styles that we're, that we're assessing. Yep. We look at the beer, we assess its um, its colour, its clarity, clarity yeah. its foam, the quality of its foam. We smell it, yeah. we taste it, and we look for um, all those 
wonderful redemptive properties, yeah. all the good things, but we also look for the ugly. We look for any technical faults in the beer, any problems that we can encounter in the in the quality mm. of the flavour or aroma that, that hint to problems with raw materials or with the, the processing of the beer or the making yeah. of the beer. Yeah. By, the, by the end of the day of, of judging, I mean, are you able to... Still stand. <laughs> well, it's it, funny because know? because uh, unlike our colleagues in the wine world, yeah. um, we we swallow. We don't yeah, spit. Don't spit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Because we yeah. we we we, <laughs> we, um, we perceive um, uh, uh, a lot of the um, some of the yeah. bitter compounds in the beer right at the back of our palate. Mm. You know, right at the back of our at, at back so of our tasting mechanism in, in our mouths is different for beer than it is wine yeah, or, or correct. spirits. Correct, yeah. yeah. The the importance of bitterness is, you know, uh, greatly reduced yeah. in wine. You know, some wines do indeed have bitter components, yeah. but all beers, well, the vast majority of beers, bitterness is a very important yeah. component to assess. That said, we don't drink pints of each no, sample. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we drink out of tiny little ISO-XL5 glasses, right. the, little, okay. the, little, um, the little standard wine tasting glasses, yep. and we just have a sip, basically. Mm. And what do you use as a palate cleanser in between, or, or do you not yeah, worry? No, we, we do, and it's it's funny because depending on the beer style you're judging, you'll either need a lot of palate cleanser in right. between, so styles that are that are mouth-coating and rich yeah. and full or extremely bitter or flavourful, they can really take a while to get through a flight. We may yeah. we may assess 6 to 12 beers at a time in a flight, and um, if they're light styles, international lagers, things like this, yeah. we can move through them pretty quickly. If they're imperial stouts or barley wines yeah. or... Some of the stronger Belgian mm. styles that you were talking about earlier or um, IPAs, yeah. these things really slow you down because the length and persistence of the flavour um, is so great that you really need to take some time, drink some yep. water. We, we eat plain um, uh, crackers, right, you know, okay. or pieces of yeah. bread. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what we use to cleanse yep. our palates. But but quite often you do get a bit of the old sensory fatigue or the old palate yeah. fatigue, we call it, where after a flight of 40 Imperial IPAs, you know, everything just tastes like hops. Yeah. And to be fair to the beers, um, the stewards sort of split these things up yeah. so that not one single poor judge <laughs> yeah. is expected to go through hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of, um, of, say, these really intense styles. It's fascinating. You mentioned IPA beer. Mm -hmm. um, for those listeners who might not really understand what that is, do you want to delve into that a little bit because I find that quite an, an oh, interesting yeah, style yeah, fantastic, of, of beer and, yeah. and how it originated. And oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing story. It's not... We often talk about it in a... Um, celebratory kind of yeah. non-problematic mm. way, but it's a it's a beer style that grew up with colonialism yeah. as well, so it's got a kind of a dark history as well, IPA. So it was a beer style, it stands for India Pale Ale, yeah. and this grew up around um, the, the colonisation of, mm. of India, basically, so it yeah. was brewed not in India, but in the UK, in England, yeah. mainly around Burton, for export to India to the serve the, the, yeah, the colonising forces over yeah. there. <laughs> so... Um, you know, uh, uh, to allow the beer to um, last the journey. Mm. You know, it tended yeah. to be um, loaded up with a lot more hops, which acted as a natural preservative. There is some contention about the the kind of the historiocracy of these claims, right. though. A lot of people think, are we making it too difficult? Could it have been that the officers there just liked hoppy flavoured right. beer? And so, um, so. Um, the, the, the received wisdom is, though, that um, these beers were really heavily hopped. They were higher in alcohol, yep. and this was to allow them to survive the, the long ship journey, you know, That's from Burton to potentially the potentially could dissipate over time. Is that yeah, what correct, that was, the way correct. it was stored or, you know? Exactly, yeah. and also it was to fend off beer spoilers. Right. So these bacteria that can get into beer, not make anyone sick, but yep. that can make the beer taste sour yep. or, um, or overly acidic or overly thin. Yep. And, um, you know, the use of these increased hops 
dealt with that and the long sea voyages. You're listening to a Joycast from GLD, TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. In the studio today, we've got John Selton, who's the head brewer at Brick Lane Brewing. We're talking all things beer and the science behind mm-hmm. it. Just before the, um, the, the break, uh, we were talking about IPA beer and... Um, the, the history of that and mm. how it sort of originated from sort of dark beginnings with colonization mm. and mm. how it's still around today and it's it's quite a thing now that the craft um, beer industry has, has really taken off. Mm. Um, and during the break we were just talking about how the IPA style beer wasn't only just exported to to India, but it was also Australia and probably New Zealand, I'd imagine, yeah, too, correct. as a colony. Yeah. Yeah. There's, in fact, some of the earliest... Um, the, the first time, and I could stand corrected on this, but I think the first time the name IPA yeah. was ever picked up in a beer advertisement in a newspaper. The first time it was ever written down IPA, it was for beer that was actually exported to Australia. Really? Oh. Yeah, exactly. So this was a this was a style that was yeah. grown up around um, kind of the the British colonial yeah. experience, I guess. You know, or their expeditions around the world. You know, um, what's interesting is um, it's it's now an incredibly popular style, mm, right? Yeah. You know, in Australia and in the States, it's um, one of the most popular yep. craft styles. And in the past where IPA used to be designed to be stored for a long time, yep. to be shipped all around the world, now it's all about freshness. So right. Yeah. Why is it so popular? Why do you think there's a surge in popularity for this style of beer? A couple of things. I, I, I think mainly just the spectrum of flavours and the intensity of flavour. You know, yeah. IPAs, um, you know, they're, they're all universally hoppy. You know, that's one of the definitional yeah. things. But they can... There can be a huge spectrum in terms of the intensity of bitterness and the quality of hop flavour. You know, hop, hops can come across as, as spicy or herbal or grassy yeah. or green. On the other side of the spectrum, they can be um, incredibly fruity. You know, they can yeah. be evocative of kind of ripe tropical fruit or pineapple or citrus mm. pith, you know, and peel. Yeah. Um, and so they're hugely, hugely diverse sort of flavours and aromas you can pack into these beers. Unlike the IPAs of, you know, um, the early days, nowadays um, we're switched on to the fact that those those aromas and those flavors flavors are really ephemeral. You know, yeah, they don't right. they don't stick around in the product for long. And IPA now is always best drunk fresh. I've actually uh, got some that I've brought into the studio for you guys for we later. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much for that. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Looking forward to so, that. Um, uh, I mean, IPA is um, th- those those things those definitional characters that make IPA, IPA fresh, bright yeah. hop aroma. These are things that, um, that, that that go from the beer. And this is one of the kind of the heartbreaks for brewers. Yeah. You know, we brew these things, but they're designed to be drunk fresh. You know, and need to be drunk fresh. How do you get these fruity flavours without using fruit? I know we talked about gene editing, but yeah. that yeah. doesn't all come from that. How do you... Well, it's, it's sort of a kind of gene editing in that we rely on these very clever hop breeders to yeah. produce these yeah. wonderful hops. So through traditional plant breeding, you know, um, hops are this amazing plant that um, they grow um, in pretty specific areas. We're really, really great at growing them in Australia, in yep. Tasmania, and in northeast Victoria, and in New Zealand yeah. as well. But in the northern hemisphere, usually around you know similar sort of um, latitudes, you know, around the the Hallertau region in Germany, Kent in the UK, yep. um, some parts of Slovenia um, in the US, around Idaho and around the Yakima Valley, the Pacific yep. Northwest, Oregon, Washington State, um, and what these amazing plant breeders do is they they cross hops, you know, in the same way that um, people cross other varieties of yep. plant to to create new cultivars that have these amazing fruity flavours. Um, the the great champion or the darling of the Australian beer industry is um, is Galaxy. It's this hop 
used extensively right. in a lot of Australian beers, probably most famously in, in that delicious Stonewood Pacific Ale. Yeah. And it tastes just like, just like passion fruit. And right. um, there's no use of passion fruit in these in these in these beers. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. They're derived entirely from yeah. the hops. That's fascinating. Yeah, it is. And do you have an opinion on drinking beer warm or cold, or does yeah. it depend on the beer? Or <laughs> it, you know, it, it's a lot. Yeah, it, entirely, it does. You yeah. know, because there's such a different. Um, range of beer yeah. styles some are definitely enjoyed cold you know and it's a function of climate as well yeah. you know, some of my favorite drinking experiences have been in freezing cold beer gardens in the uk <laughs> in springtime where the beer is served a lot warmer and right. it's perfect and if yeah. i was to have that in australia in the summer no. it would taste like soup it'd be horrible yeah and yeah. some of the uh, british beers like bitters mm -hmm. are not meant to be Correct. Cold, yeah. So they are really served at room temperature. Yeah, correct. Know. Yeah, I mean it. It makes the perception of um, all those for you know for um, for technical reasons. Yeah. It, it accentuates the perception of a lot of the flavors. Mm. But I'd contend that um, a lot of people, a lot of um, real beer geeks or sticklers for style, will yeah. will say, you know, it must be served at that flavor. And I contend it's really up to the person who's enjoying it yeah. to to decide um, you know how they like it. But but also a function of climate, for yep. sure, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, uh, there'd be nothing worse than a, um, a freezing cold um, imperial stout that you can't taste. Yeah. And on the conciliary would be there'd be nothing worse than a warm, tepid, um, crisp lager, right. yeah. you know. Yeah. So mm. it's all about so occasion and beer style. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And yeah, I guess there, there wouldn't be too many made in Australia that would be you know, designed to be drunk warm. Well, at this, time in, at this time in winter in Melbourne, yeah. <laughs> I'd say we had a mild winter, right? Yeah. You know, mm. but um, at, around these months in Melbourne, they're the times I like to go out to those few breweries or those few yeah. bars that do serve things like traditional British styles um, that are lowering carbonation, yeah. that are best enjoyed warm. And there are a couple of, you know, a couple of both breweries and bars around the place that um, that specialise in these things. And yeah. at this time of year, that's the time to enjoy those styles mm. for me. I think you need to organise a bar tour. Uh, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. In moderation. <laughs> Count me in. Of course. With drinking in moderation. Well, if you're walking, it's okay. <laughs> you know. Tour, not crawl. Yeah. No, exactly. oh, yeah, no, no. There's, There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Um, as far as the, um, the, the, the craft beer industry, um, you know, you'd mentioned some things with, with as far as the, the, the genetic, uh, mm. you know, mm. things mm. that are mm. happening. Any other major changes or, or trends that you can see that would be you know, on the forefront uh, that people can look forward to. Yeah, it seems to be happening very, very fast. You know, like yeah. what, what, what's exciting for me is the proliferation of creativity in the industry. Yeah. You know, now we're closing in on something like 600 different breweries in Australia. Wow. And so there's all these new brewers, there's all this new creativity yeah. out there, all this new innovation. At the other end of the scale, we're seeing a lot of consolidation. I mean, just mm. last week we saw the big news that most Australian beer now is made by the Japanese, you know, yep. with Asahi mm. buying CUB. Yeah. So now our two major brewers in Australia, Lion, owned by Kieran, yep. and CUB, now owned by Asahi, um, you know, there's this... There's this um, large consolidation in the in the top end of town, yeah. but that's I think countered mm. by this yeah. by this um, diversification and this um, huge number of small breweries that are out there all innovating, yeah. all yeah. trying to differentiate themselves, and in the process coming up with a you know new flavour spaces, yeah. new new product types, yeah. whole new classes of beer, and and all of them would have a small piece of the the, the pie. The pie so yeah, speak, I mean, is it sustainable know? to have a lot of um, small brewers? Uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> good question. When 
I think there's still a lot of room for great oh, yeah. beer, you yeah, know. Yeah. And um, uh, the um, I was just in New Zealand for a beer festival over there, and and they're now up to 4.6 breweries per hundred thousand people. And as long as you keep your number of breweries per hundred thousand people above your murder rate, yeah. I consent you've got a very good city. <laughs> you've got a very good city. That's a good point. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Welcome back to The Escape Hour on Joy 94.9. I'm Tad and Stefan is in the studio on the tools today. And um, <laughs> we've got our special guest, John Selton, who's the head brewer at Brick Lane Brewing. We've been talking all things craft beer craft and getting beer. into a bit of history. IPAs. and IPA. Yeah, it's been fascinating. Mm. Um, thanks for coming in today and, oh, it's been and a sharing pleasure, your wealth of knowledge. It's been great. It's been a, a, a good time. I think, um, you know, it makes me want to go out and start drinking more Absolutely, craft beer, yeah. which we'll be able to do <laughs> because I'm sitting on the windowsill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing that in. Um, so one, one of the, the, the main things you're doing um, uh, upcoming this next week, actually, mm. on, on the 10th of August, yep. um, is... At the Science Works, uh, or social, sorry, for National Science Week. Yep. I'm stuttering on this, so I'll let you. Oh, uh, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Talk about that <laughs> so, the, the National Science Week this week is putting on a um, a pretty amazing event at Parliament. So, right in the city, um, which yep. will be a fantastic forum for it. And the it's a it's a community outreach thing that that focuses on extrasensory in all yep. the valences mm-hmm. of that word. You know, what is extrasensory? What does that mean? And there's a bunch of people there. There's there's beer. You know, yeah. I'm doing the beer piece. Yeah. But then there's people who are looking at um, um, astronomy, indigenous interpretations of astronomy, right. um, pattern recognition. There are performance artists. There are people who are um, establishing um, VR tours inside bodies yep. or inside cells. There's a big mm. installation that I'm looking forward to of a yeast cell. Right. You know, uh, oh, cool. <laughs> a, a little fella who's very important in my industry. Yeah. Um, look, I'd encourage everyone to get along. The program is amazing. It's called Extrasensory. It runs from 6 to 10 at Parliament. Yeah. Um, it looks like tickets are going pretty quickly, so I'd get them online on Eventbrite. Yeah. You can just Google Extrasensory. Okay. Or tickets are available there on the day as well if there are any left. It, it, it's fantastic. There's even a NASA scientist coming to talk about um, interactions with right. the Mars rovers, you know, sensory cool. interactions with Mars. But it's just a one-day thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's just on the one day. So it's just on Saturday the 10th. Got to get in quick. 6 to 10. Yeah, at Parliament. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. And we've um, we've certainly went through the whole spectrum of (laughs) of, of beer and, and, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, converted a few people who might have had some questions or, or didn't quite understand the whole process of the whole scenario of yeah. craft beer and well, yeah love to talk more with you guys so when <laughs> yeah, you're back well, in the next show we'll let us back. know yeah we'll, have, we'll yeah. have to have you back when we're back we're going to the show's taking a, f- a three months break yeah but we'll be, we'll be working podcasting though. we'll yeah. be working hard behind the scenes to bring a new revamp show definitely so, yeah. looking forward to all the changes great. and yeah. um, a bit of fun so it'll be good but we'll still be around with the podcast that we'll yes be we will be around with the podcast yeah. we've got a few guests lined up so that's quite exciting yep. just before we go a quick yep. question yeah. for you do you fold or do you roll when you travel Oh, me? Uh. <laughs> I stuff. I stuff. <laughs> I stuff. I'm a serial stuffer and I'm okay. a serial tosser-outerer as well oh. because I go to these places, usually for beer competitions, and yep. I want to bring back oh. samples for the brewers yeah. in my so you brewery. you jettison stuff out of your suitcase. I jettison a lot. I jettison <laughs> a lot and I traffic, traffic a lot right. of beer back okay. into the country. <laughs> I'm not sure you should admit to it. No, no, not on live that. radio. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they'll, they'll, next trip out, they'll probably catch up with you. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's all right. <laughs> what if I <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so, John, it's been great. Thank you very much yeah, for thanks. joining it's us. It's been a pleasure. It's great meeting you. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. 
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.